you have to yeah go through the narrative of each season but i was thinking more about the cosmology of how yes you know rue is sort of like an elrond but more like a saruman maybe with like a heel turn potential like still participating in the white council right but like fracking fracking (laughs) (laughs) saruman literally was also fracking so damn maybe it's perfect okay so shit that's a bummer God, guys, I am very interested in this. Oh, and Solomon comes back in a rainbow robe, like a show-stopping <gasps> look. <laughs> he does. He throws Gandalf in jail when Gandalf's outfit can't keep up. Yeah, he says, sashay away onto the roof and stay there. <laughs> okay, This isn't well, the Lord of the Rings episode, but... No, but it's... gonna fool me. right now dude i watched as much as i could and that is one and a half hours i got to the point where he's riding the worm worm. you stop just before the sweet guitar and that breaks my Uh, heart a little but the movie is bad yeah i got 18 minutes wow they made it so gross (laughs) they made that movie so gross we can talk about that after but i'm gonna tell you right now that's my take it's like it's a gross star wars that's more boring it is gross star wars and star wars (laughs) is kind of gross so like but a tasteful amount like job of the hud is like the moment when they are like look how gross aliens can be but this is like look how gross people can be all the time I All get the time. We'll say that the opening scene, which is not in the book, where he talks to one of the fucking pilots or whatever, like, oh yeah, <laughs> right. and they're just like, the we're gonna summarize the the whole situation, but like, it's he looks awesome. It's like a sick ass Cronenberg thing, and it's, it's totally cool. rad to immediately first thing in this universe is like, this is like a human that's mutated over four thousand years to fold space with his mind. Like, all right, he looks fucked up as hell, so I buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes <laughs> sense for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could talk about that in the the section, but that's going to be the take. Is like, wow, it's gross. The book sounds a lot more fun it and colorful. Rules. It's like uh, crazy Co- desert magic and fun wandering tribes who talk like, "Ha, Sayadina, come to the CH for spice foods." <laughs> that guy was fun, yeah. but they made them sound like babies that couldn't that take guy. care of themselves. Of like, oh, no. okay, here's a witch. Teach us how to do everything because we've been like yeah. sucking as a society. No, Sarah, it's a plant. It's she's a plant. It's a plant. <laughs> well, yes and no. What? There's an amount of scale in this book that is easily ten thousand years, and that's ten thousand years past. Like our conceivable human history yeah like post exodus from earth kind of stuff right but yeah there's so much here and it's so dense i'm very excited to get to it yeah let us start from the beginning perhaps for the beginning is time to be taking the most delicate care also can we uh can we please get on top of the pronunciation it's frank herbbert it is not herb say it frank herbert herbbert this one you do not have to pronounce both bees. You do not have to pronounce both bees. How do you guys not know this? Please just say it right. Herb Bert. Herb Bert. Thank you. Herb 
I won't. I'm, There's one you know bee what? in his I'm canceling this podcast. Yeah. I'm just Herb is in quotation marks. Get out Frank of here. Herb, <laughs> I'm going to banish you to Seleucus Secundus, the prison planet. Wormbert. Oh! I haven't even written the word worm <laughs> oh, down worm? <laughs> There's our intro. Oh, oh worm? Worm? Oh, worm. Say worm! Those are the last words of Liet Kine, the planetary <laughs> ecologist. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Dunosphere. No Dune about it. It's time to talk about Dune. I'm Dan. Dan, Dan. <laughs> You're talking about Dune? Yeah. Dan? <laughs> You're going to talk about Dan. It's Dune. <laughs> uh, I didn't think of an intro this time. I'm Sarah, and uh, walk without rhythm, and you won't attract the worm. Man, you said worm, which was bound to happen, and now I'm fucked. You took the best one, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the deep lore, the fat boy slum lore. Of I, uh, I, yeah, I'm Tom. I don't have a Dune intro. I never think of doing it. I also need a joke. <laughs> Tuppence for a joke, me lord. <laughs> No, thanks, I'm Tom. How about that? <laughs> Just yeah. use that. <laughs> I'll imagine yeah. imagine me saying that. I don't know Tom's voice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Nailed it. So I told you I was going to have excellent impressions. Uh, you guys, I'm very excited to talk about maybe my favorite science fiction thing, or at least the latest hotness that has consumed my whole being, is Dune. Frank Herbert. Sci-fi. He's got an excellent beard. Wrote a million books. And yeah, you know what? I think they're pretty neat. Get out of here. Herb Bert? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to engage on that. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up the litany of fear. There goes the podcast. <laughs> the litany. I'm the looking litany. up the litany of fear. Yeah, yeah. Dune, Dune's sick. I read Dune way back in the day. Uh, I read it in like my second year of college. It rocked my butt. Uh, <laughs> I've read it twice in the last ten years. I have not finished the David Lynch movie in the last eighteen years, and I tried this yeah. week and I couldn't do it. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. I have listened to some of Dune, and um, I'm going to be the representation for people who really want to understand Dune, but just can't get their foot in the door properly. Because <laughs> the movie did not make that as easy as I hoped. No, the movie worked so. very hard to chase you away. Yeah. Uh, and it, just it's nothing sad. about it seems appealing. Yeah. Well, because it's clearly trying to bring you in with these really ham-handed, like, okay, welcome to the Dune universe. Here's what's up. Like, yeah. It's a perfect example of how, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't translate perfectly from books to movies. Because it actually true. starts out with, like, this cool found literature kind of frame narrative of uh, history of Muad'Dib by the princess Irulan. And in the movie, it's just a woman barreling the camera, being like, so here's Dune, it's space, there's spice, there's worms, and you're, you're caught up, here we go. Yeah, they couldn't even, like, show her writing in a book or something, like the Bilbo intro, like, it had to be, <laughs> yeah, oh, that I'm works. on frame. Much better. You That's just tried and true. Right there. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, I couldn't help but think of like a million points in the movie where they could have done a better job. But it was 1984. Like, what, what are you gonna do? Yeah, those I cube guys when they had a knife Cuban. fight. Oh my god! The yeah. So to wow. get into the Dune universe, that's as good a spot as any. This is soft sci-fi, which not only is it like differentiated from quote unquote hard sci-fi something that is really into the math of all of their works, like the logical and conclusion. Of notably, it. if you say you're into hard sci-fi, <laughs> girls will stop talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a code for I am hard to talk to. <laughs> exactly. This. I digress. But soft sci-fi also implies that it's about the soft sciences, like anthropology, sociology, and psychology. <laughs> There's a really? lot of They're that. They're soft. Too. Those sciences are soft. Know, Their parents right? weren't mean enough. It's such a funny distinction because we're like, oh, you mean they're for girls and are lesser? That is exactly what I thought. <laughs> right? Yeah. This, and Frank Herbert, a big part of his thing is like language is a problem when you mm. uh, either have it, prescribe a religion or politics. Meaning and language are not the same thing. And how that uh, shapes people. It's great. Science nerds are just scared of being around fanfic writers. They just, they're too <laughs> terrified to let that happen. So they're like, stay out of STEM. Oh, yeah. I like my hard sci-fi. I like programmers <laughs> on my computer. I'll be my girlfriend. Oh, uh, which is too bad. Because Dune is full of powerful, strong, very tall waifus. Robots? Uh, no robots. No robots. That's another important point. This is yeah, a sci-fi that universe cool. that's part of the soft sciences thing because <laughs> it's it takes place thousands and thousands of years after what's called the Butlerian Jihad, where humanity had to band together to kill cyborgs and thinking machines because all of humanity was enslaved to AI. So now, Damn. in this far-flung society from that point, no robots allowed. People have um, trained human traits to the, like, Jedi level. That's sort of the big suspension of disbelief, is that through that's rigorous so conditioning. Metal. Yeah. With that's, eugenics. That's not soft There's at all. That's fucking of that rad. In, like 10,000 year old breeding program is one of the central plot lines. And one person fucks it up for everybody. Eugenics and, bad. Yeah, eugenics bad. Love good. Aww. Jessica wouldn't listen Aww. to the Bank Jesuit. <laughs> and she gave her Duke a son because she knew how much it would mean to him and Jessica, uh, yeah. you have given a son to the Duke. <laughs> he explicitly told you not to when I explicitly asked you not to. That's the thing. It's like they clearly did not impress on her how important this was to their plan. They were literally one generation off from a 10,000-year program to produce the Messiah. <laughs> and, 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 like, you hate to do anything it. about it. Ah. So like, oh, she just, she did what? <laughs> she doesn't... <laughs> She doesn't go to our Hogwarts for ninja sex witches anymore, so we can't do anything. And she's the secretary slash concubine slash mother of the duple right. heir to the coolest motherfucker in the universe. Oscar Isaac will be Duke yeah. Leto oh. Atreides. Hell yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't want to get um, sidetracked too early, but the thing about this is, how did they not have a boy up until that point? Was it like a choice before she got pregnant? Or was it like a... So, I'm gonna murder every boy baby that comes out of women no. for the next thousand years. You can control it. You just gotta clench. Yeah. Bene Gesserit can oh. control like their own metabolism to neutralize poisons or you know, the big secret. Like their whole oh, thing work? is they have perfected so much stuff 
but have no uh like they represent like political assassins and like a guild they don't have land and holdings but they are adjacent to every power structure because of their insane continuity and again 10,000 year plan which is the same thing That's the catholic church metal. did they were yeah. like this is the play so uh i've sort of got this like loose mind map in front of me that has more wriggles than a sandworm let me tell you there's a lot of stuff going on there's an emperor of everything shaddam the fourth the padishah emperor which is the persian word for emperor i looked that up oh yeah there's like a lot of cool uh synthesized languages from middle eastern things there's a lot of islam the term kwisatz haderach which is one of the first messiah titles that they think paul atreides might be is actually hebrew i looked that up oh shit really is that some of the kabbalah stuff it is it means the leap of the way and in dune it's translated to either uh he who shortens the path or uh him that can be in many places at once the kabbalah is like old school jewish oriented mysticism yeah Yeah. it's a bunch of traditions for understanding all the various metaphors for like what god is through breaking it down into like 12 different stages called the sephirots that's where that came from Shout out to Sephiroth. Our favorite Shout anime. Out to my boy. Oh my god. I'm so I'm <laughs> awful. How dare uh, you do this? Final Fantasy in my Dune day. Today uh, all for Dune. I will ring the bell. Yeah, but it it's a it's it's surprisingly um omnipresent through a bunch of this like cool philosophical sci-fi that Dune like occupies like a really important spot in. Yeah. Um and it's it's yeah, it's just a really interesting angle for your mythology to be about like sort of human ascension and eventual merging with elements of the divine yeah he does really interesting stuff comparing like the individual needs and drives of people within systems and the long-term systems like planning throughout generations lots of really cool angles to take here the other stuff going on in this universe like humanity has expanded beyond the stars lots of planets then like uh feudalism there are big houses Mm -hmm. there are barons we don't like them and uh (laughs) our good guy is a duke Ooh, this was another angle i was gonna snare you into dune with sarah is atreides Mm -hmm. the family name of the heroes throughout all these books sounds pretty cool yeah it's very heroic the line of atreus like literally the boy my boy atreus god of war yeah so happy for him yeah literally oh. at one point a future descendant uh can like he has access to all his genetic memories so he can just kick it with agamemnon and ah. be like yeah i'm kind of like a king too but in space yeah <laughs> we're uh, not so different you and <laughs> so like part of the political structure of this that is so important is there's also this thing called the guild of navigators they are the only people that can uh chart interstellar courses like faster than light speeds because again no ai no thinking machines that way leads to human enslavement yeah so they develop these dudes that actually you find out get super high on spice and can sort of see into the future in a limited way to chart the path that is safe the idea that's so cool yeah it is cool the idea of humans being like Machines are too dangerous for us to touch, so we're just literally gonna get into like flesh tech. We're gonna, yeah. like humans yeah. are machines now, and we're gonna figure out how to like fuck with them. Yeah, there's these things called mentats, which are children raised to be computers. The fresh maker. If you could get at it. <laughs> mentats, 
expression. You will be the fresh maker, my son. Yep. And that works because they, you know, they got that gross mouth. They're always drinking sapo oh, juice. Yeah. yeah, they do. They have like yeah. a very Cronenbergy vagina. Yeah, which I ma. thought was another choice that David Lynch made to make it a nasty movie for nasty folks. But it turns out he, that he made a movie for nasty boys that yeah. wasn't soft at all. <laughs> Maximum hard. It's not soft sci-fi. That's no, slimy they give sci-fi. Them a laser gun for shouting, which is not in the book at all. Yeah. What the hell? None of that's What's a thing. That? I don't know. <laughs> He's like, look, man, there's like 900 pages of this bad boy. I'm going to take some liberties. They also introduce a moon metaphor that's not important until book two. Yeah. No, it it can't be overstated enough that the book makes these things seem mysterious and compelling and somewhat elegant a lot of the time. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like a visual representation of it just loses so much in the the lack of negative space that you get with a novel. Because just by like showing a scene... You're revealing so much of the world that is like dripped out to you in tantalizing bits yeah. in the yeah. narrative. But now I'm like, why is that a robot? I thought you said there were no robots. Explain yeah. to me the shields you have. All these things. From what you can see from the trailer, like it looks like um, Denis Villeneuve is like playing it sort of close to the vest visually, I guess. Like things look more toned down in a way mm. that's like hopefully is not like. Look at Mr. Brain Man. Oh, yeah. I got hope for those still suits. This is always a problem in sci-fi when it's adapting from a book. Like, you remember that scene in Party Down when they have this, like, gas creature they're trying to show visually in a sci-fi adaption? And it's like, well, that was never meant to be a visual experience. It was like (laughs) an internal experience for your reader. And, like, yeah, you have to put in a stupid little spaceship because otherwise there's no way to show that thing. there's a lot of that in Dune because a lot of his inspiration comes from psilocybin and his fun men- uh, mushroom adventures. Oh, yeah. that, that makes a the lot of sense. The trips are the thing. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm going to come back to the whole, we're just going to build this universe, as, like build this plane as we're flying it. Well, I want to talk about spice first because that's pretty integral to understanding how the, the universe go, right? Where did I write it down? Epice. Yeah. So spice. You got to whisper it. It's like cocaine, magic mushrooms, and LSD, but also shake and bake, topical cream, and Flintstone vitamins. No, my stonies! Yeah, it has a lot of functions in society. And is, like, they call it the secret coin, because it's like every other money and product or commodity you have is really just translating to how much spice you can get your hands on. Oh, wow. So you can't travel between planets without going through the guild. They have a huge monopoly on space travel. They want spice because it gives their guys the magic juice to see through the stars. And it turns out they are intensely addicted. This stuff alters your genetic structure slightly. It uh, makes you more attuned to the, like, racial consciousness, he calls it, and your genetic (laughs) memories. And it turns your eyes blue. Blue within blue. No, I... irises or whites or oh yeah. wait 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 can you elaborate on the racial thing like um, yeah. is this a, yeah so you mm. know assassin's creed Uh-oh. no human race yeah. not the bullshit exactly uh, okay. false definition of races that yes. ethnic uh, ethnicities are that's not a that thing. we're separated in any like, way yeah. okay excellent all yeah. right on to that <laughs> just gonna skate Side right past that yeah, like, look out the window Ooh, there's a lot of eugenics we're gonna skate right by uh, well because the whole point is yeah. eugenics bad 
Exactly. He's and Paul sees that. The, uh, very early on when this boy starts getting into his spice and sort of seeing the plot of humanity as a whole or their narrative arc, he sees that there's this crying out for diversity and turmoil uh, that has come from, again, thousands and thousands of years of very careful like selective breeding uh, between people and culture and like very deliberate siring and uh, what you call it. <laughs> Codifying? No. Modifying? Harnessing? Uh, trying to produce specific genetic traits to make these perfect oh, bloodlines kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. I get we it. can say braiding, right. So he's I guess. afraid very soon. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, I don't know how, but a few of my actions, even if I might or, like die in a thousand different ways, will lead to me being like a martyr that launches a jihad against the empire and just everyone's gonna mix up the race pool that way. You know, where... Uh, space travel isn't limited by rich people. <laughs> yeah, humans are uh, going everywhere. They're fighting. They're fucking. It's a whole thing. More like Star Wars, Beautiful. I guess. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So God's uh, plan. The <laughs> oh, yeah. And now here I'm spinning this lasso. I'm gonna hurl it around the nerve of this and pull it into reach, and sort of explain how the plot starts to go from here. Because we've got this family of dudes, uh, the Atreides who are loved by their people, they are courageous, they value loyalty above all else, and they only buy loyalty with love, it is said. Squares. <gasps> yeah, exactly. They're big nerds, but in the like cool ways, like Captain America, where his biggest trait is he has no traits. Oh, yeah. What if your king was also captain of the football team? Exactly. Uh, there's really cool instances of like the characterization even though you don't get a lot of time with some of these atreides it doesn't go great for them but they're like oh yes my grandfather he died fighting a bull because we're you know space mediterranean and, <laughs> 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 and like jessica's like oh my duke he reminds me of olive trees and the sea and i was like i get it <laughs> i already i learned which ethnicity from space this is uh, italian boyfriend yeah. we really are addicted to stories of empire being like directly framed around the mediterranean in some way because it's so like yeah. again touching so many parts of the world like also a little bit of that white supremacy but you know whatever it happened thousands of years from the point of dune uh one of the descendants says it was the romans fault they were there a disease go. that implied imperialism on the world and we haven't been able to stop it uh, that's true it fucking rules and the guy who says that is the guy that is the only human with a timeline bigger than one lifetime because he's experienced the lives of every human before him and he's a oh. 3,000 year old worm this book rules it is a really interesting way of phrasing it and absolutely true that like there is a straight thread from like Roman dominion of huge parts of like you know the Middle East North Africa and Europe like straight line through the Holy Roman Empire and the European kingdoms, like in their imperial styling, in the style of like, yeah. it's not that revelatory, but it literally, when you lay it out like that, it's like, damn. No, it's kind of freaky how true it is. Yeah, right? like it's a thing you don't have to think about, but really puts into context all of our limited experience. It's like, yeah, it's kind of the natural progression of these very specific things. Thanks, Rome. Exactly. So. <laughs> These cool space Italians, everyone loves them. They have, like, trained their relatively small force of, like, their, you know, ducal army 
to just SEAL Team 6 level. Everyone's very impressed because they have cool sword masters like Duncan Idaho, the best yeah. name in fiction. Uh, that I'll, I'll never get over that. Why? Yeah. Idaho. I don't know, man. And then there's the troubadour warrior, Gurney Halleck, who's a lot like an Obi-Wan, but like ugly and fun instead of yeah. like fancy and reserved. But isn't he played by Picard? He's played by Picard in that, but he's like disgusted as like brick-faced ugly man with a big ink vine scar across his jaw. So they just, you know, Patrick Stewart's cool more than anything. Yeah. yeah. He's got the, They've... like, bravado of a Shakespearean-trained swordsman yeah. who always could <laughs> quote literature. So I think it, I think it fits. He also plays a baliset, so you know he shreds. Which is, like, a fun... Yeah, I remember thing. that. Yeah, liar. They just had it in a shot, and he's like, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fight. I also don't think it's six feet long, but I could be... I'll look that up again, because it could be, you know... At one point, they're like, oh, the Thorses went down the road. And it was like, horses? No, Thorses. They're like space with six legs. Never mind. It's not important. Just think about the concept of a horse. You'll figure it out. You'll see them. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. We should probably glaze over to move faster. Or I know. I don't, I don't it's hard not to get edit. caught up on the little elements of this world. Like, there's so many little sprinkles of, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because, like, one of the things, like, I tried to start reading Dune in high school, and I couldn't get past the Gamja Bar, which we'll get to. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah. Uh, it's, it feels unassailable, like a big cliff of, like, how do you get through this? But it's, it's actually, it's not that, like, there's one key that's going to unlock it all. It's that any spot you choose to dig down on is like well thought out and placed in the universe and contributes to the holistic style i'm so here for it but yeah so right before we start the actual hero's journey the conceit of paragon marathon welcome to the podcast everyone (laughs) that is what i would call a compelling hook yeah 30 minutes on the dot yes (laughs) that's the cold open now for the scripted (laughs) material yeah, so the start of this is uh, the cool uh, Atreides family that everyone loves has an established rival. Like, they are the official enemies of the Harkonnens, who are industrialists. They are uh, I- intense capitalists who are sort of the opposite in, instead of, like, buying loyalty with love, it's like they, they know how to torture your brains out and will use any lever against you. And we'll maximize profit by sacrificing humanity. Maximize profit. But they're like, how they become <laughs> like a powerful house. Yeah. They are led by the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, who is... That's a bad guy name. Yeah. That sure is. It's, you don't uh, name a baby Vladimir Harkonnen and expect him to like, you know, do taxes or something. Like, what is he going to do? I think oh, as, far as, gonna- as far as like, you know, people, most people are concerned who aren't Russian, I guess. You're only using Vladimir for a bad guy. Like, isn't that just like <laughs> hardcore invoking that Dracula guy? Uh, yeah. As far as I know, yeah. Vlad the Impaler. That's the, the one. Uh, yeah, it's not like in a modern context, it's synonymous with like a happy go lucky dude or anything. <laughs> oh, Vlad? <laughs> oh, oh, Verb? Yeah. <laughs> so. You're allowed four more years. No way. Of that. No way. We I completely reject that. Yet. It's going to yeah. be an hour before worm talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go faster. Okay. So, the Harkonnens had been in charge of Dune, Arrakis, desert planet, which is the only place that spice can be mined from. Mined is the verb they use. It seems like they just scoop it up out of the sand. 
It seems gross because hmm. it's like a litter box thing. Yeah. It, oh, it is just a big litter it box. It is. And it's uh, the geriatric melange. It prolongs life. <laughs> People put it in drinks. They put it in food. It's like the cure-all. It grants immunity to some poisons. and It makes it sweet, wow. but with no calories. <laughs> exactly. It's <gasps> no aspartame <calories>. and uh, <laughs> ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, Great on the lips and the hips. Cocaine okay. stevia. I would not only name my prodigy that, but that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, that's a really good protagonist name. But, uh, I'm writing that down. Yeah, so the Harkonnens <laughs> have been ordered off the planet. They have lost it to uh, the emperors, awarding it to the Atreides family. Because, like, yeah. yeah, just to lay it out, like, this is cool. This is, like, the emperor's sort of the official overall power, but really they're, like, these nation houses that can, you know, realistically yeah. compete. It's just sort of they owe allegiance to this centralized authority. So it's like kind of War of the Roses shit between exactly. the Harkonnens and the Atreides. The Emperor is supported by his amazing super soldiers that everyone just right. knows. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, the Sardaukar? Yeah, you can't beat them. That's very well established. <laughs> They're like ultra-enhanced with secret methods that only the Emperor gets. Exactly. You're not allowed to ask oh. about them. And if you see them, you've already died. Uh and the emperor, we learn, was, like, able to take the throne with the help of the Bene Gesserit, like, political church aid yeah. with the condition that he is not allowed to produce an heir. He can only have uh, Bene Gesserit-trained daughters, and they're, like, one marriage away from, like, if uh, the Bene Gesserit had got their way, Paul would have been born a girl and wed to the Harkonnens. And sealing the rift Ew. of that family, conserving both bloodlines, they would have married. Uh, they would have produced a boy that married the princess, and then the Bene Gesserit have their genetically perfect Jesus on the throne, on listening the throne. to them. Checkmate! Ten thousand year plan to rule the universe. The Bene Gesserit have done it. So and close. Get so, so close. So nobody cared. Nobody cared well, that they were doing that. It's just that it's so big and that they're benefiting everybody with access to their like hidden lore and like amazing techniques yeah. and like exactly. um, like they're incredible. They're like they superhuman and they can sort of see the future. Yeah, yeah, the the thing that like gives them the most power is they have these reverend mothers you remember from the movie, the like mostly bald late. I don't know if they're actually bald. Yeah, that was I love established. That. But uh, Mo- mostly bald, you know, where it counts. Witch monks. It's like people are like, oh, we're scared. They're, they're like the idea of a Jedi in a lot of ways because it's like, oh. yeah, religious, yeah, uh, religious super warriors. But you don't really know totally how Jedi. much. Like it's more rumor. Like I hear nothing can kill a Jedi. Uh, that little boy. <laughs> it's it's his conception of them. They are always in the mix. They have something called the voice, which is like by listening to people and understanding their like uh i don't know brain and genetic predispositions you can say things in a way that are completely uh compelling <laughs> to somebody and sort of command them like a telepathic push almost interesting so it w- it's based on a knowledge of them it's not something you can do with like a stranger very easily right it's like the more you okay. listen to them and see them the better you will be at it Holy shit, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. There's even soft Bene Gesserit sci-fi. that can stop their aging process by like reducing the rate at which their individual cells decay. Cutting out carbs? Is yeah. that it? This is su- that's the one. <laughs> exactly that. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. <laughs> they, uh, Turns out carbs, the enemy. <laughs> at, at 
Atkins is like 8,000 years old. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's been around since the Valerian <laughs> The sacred texts. Uh, they're like, we don't do this because we don't have the power to support ourselves. Like, if the universe at large could figure out we are, like, have the answer to immortality, uh, they would come at us with, you know, Sardaukar or their armies, and we would be revealed and not allowed to live, persecuted, like witches, because they are witches. It's, right. like, the slur, and, like, how they're perceived in society. So they're like, that's, that's on the DL. Don't do that. We'll All know right. if you do, and we'll tell you to stop. I gotta say something because I yeah. don't know when else to say it, but this has been my experience with Dune over the last ten years. Is usually just like thinking about it and then like reading the wikis online and like, just like sort of surfing around, reminding myself of all this shit because I read the first four books, I think. Nice. Um, but like that setting of like these competing sort of apocalyptic prophecies and like messiahs and like frameworks of viewing the world and of changing the world this is like so deftly woven over the grander scope of this story and that is the shit that i am most here for and that's why i think this is like a really perfect episode for this show and we're gonna get into it but the messiah walk of the main character is like hot Exactly. It's like such a literal plot point is like we're trying to establish a messiah. Several people are and there's a lot of like almost messiahs in the text as well. And I'm going to use that. I'm going to jump off that set up one more plot device in the general universe and then maybe we'll get to the actual narrative arc. Uh, And this is another Bene Gesserit thing called the Panoplia Prophetica, uh, which is like, again, this faction or religion, we'll call it, has existed for generations and they have this amazing continuity because the reverend mothers undergo this crazy ritual to absorb right. all the experiences of their past lives of all the other reverend mothers that came before yeah. them so it's like you know if jesus founded a religion this is not a great analogy but if tell me what more if every Dan? pope was also had lived as jesus yeah, <laughs> you dude. know what i mean oh so, is that kind of like the Dalai Lama uh, with my very vague understanding of Buddhism? Is that exactly what it is? Did I nail reincarnation it? Adjacent. Yeah. There's there's elements of a lot of different stuff, and I have to say that this has been the most compelling stuff to me in my entire life in terms of the stuff I've read. Because this is like the idea of uh, stories that need to address and thus like encompass all of human memory or like m- someone more than just self. Like the character needs to uh, bring in like somehow combine themselves with like the memories of the past, like the Bene Gesserit in book of the new Sun, That's like the whole thing is the idea of like this sort of avatar, like passing down of memories through like yeah. horrifying ritual. It's the thing I'm reading right now, the <laughs> desolation called peace. It's like the one that won the Hugo awards for last year. And this year that's about like, you have to surrender this like thing called an imago, which is like attached to your head and recording. You're like, endocrine system personality and memories and then that gets passed on to like the next person in your line of work like if you're a pilot or a miner or whatever because it's this like oh my desperate future and they're like we can't lose like these precious like it's this like expertise yeah. exactly <laughs> this this stuff is like whatever we want to call this like subgenre. i always think of it as like more philosophical mythological sci-fi but that's obviously not quite right soft sci-fi i guess still works well i sort love of it, like because yeah. like that's such a human thing is like succession and the idea of like what is your legacy yeah <laughs> what a cool fucking take on it and they all involve yeah. societies where like <laughs> 
millennia in the future, we're still just like desperately trying to figure out how the hell to get like everybody functioning as like a utopian yeah. society or whatever. <laughs> okay, and the worms understands that <laughs> not all he can't in the end handle that intense like destiny to save humanity from itself he tries to short like a shortcut to get around it but his son is yeah. like no i understand it's going to take thousands of years but i will break the cycle of like feudalism Yay! It's been a, it's been on our to do list as a Thanks, my species. Lord. Yeah. I've been toiling under turnip fields for many years now. <coughs> I don't want to be a surf anymore. I want to do my own exactly uh, bookkeeping. The... I want to do bookkeeping. I want to learn QuickBooks, my lord. <laughs> Is that too much? You're, do you want me that's to... brutal to that poor turnip farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. <laughs> but true roasted yeah <laughs> sorry no okay. it's been uh pretty tough going for most of humanity for all of it yeah <laughs> so the continuity established by the betty jesuit in the panoplia prophetica fuck i started this point so long ago now panoplia uh, prophetica prophetica yeah i you know Bella. something about butterfly propagation <laughs> maybe the butterfly effect who's to say Oh. But in this, you know, multi-planet society, they are playing a crazy long game and had a whole faction dedicated to religious propaganda. They seeded messianic stories on all these worlds that are like, oh, one day a Bene Gesserit will come and you'll yeah. make them in charge of everything. <laughs> they ancient aliens, everyone else. Yeah. But it's actually happening. It's not just dumb bullshit. Oh my exactly. god. <laughs> and it really bites them in the ass in hilarious ways. That's one of the favorite my favorite things in this whole story. It's such a great idea. The idea that like the people who are ahead in an environment like this can really manipulate uh societies that they encounter however they want and like they are aware of this sort of human history back to the days of the earliest colonialism and they cynically choose to be like all right we know how colonialism goes with like a way more powerful society encountering a smaller one let's uh let's give them a bunch of bullshit prophecies that we can like cash in holy shit. exactly it's like the best way to manipulate people frank herbert wrote so many goddamn words just to tell people how little he thought of governments <laughs> you know, against the vietnam war he was <laughs> And uh, he has a line about how people that have combined their political and religious interests are fucking unstoppable. They won't well. question anything. Mm. And uh, like until they are, you know, past the point of no return, run headlong over a cliff. Right. And he's not wow. wrong. Like right. there's no room for individuals in that. As Paul becomes the Messiah eventually and sees like people that were his friends start to believe in him. He's like, this diminishes them. He's a believer now, not like a resourceful, independent thinker. I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good time to talk about how like he uses the word jihad like for a lot of this because. But I think it's more because of the like desert setting of these people who Paul's going to be interacting with on Arrakis called the Fremen. Yeah. Um, they and, are. Like, uh, but just the context of the word jihad is like totally different when Herbert is writing in what the sixties. Uh, yep, sixty. This is uh, one of its Hugo Award in '66, I think, for the first one. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. Then all of this well, like, like really a... weird conversation around that particular word in like the early 2000s. Yeah, it's important yeah. to talk about. Jihad has several meanings. It's the struggle against the self, like an internal struggle. 
the struggle wow. against Satan or the struggle against a like outside official enemy kind of thing. It's the okay. lesser jihad. It's only for, you know, literal extremists kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, and like the, it also had some an- the connotations of like questing to achieve those things, like yeah. a personal cool. sort of exactly. quest. It's the like uh, noble goal kind of thing, like self-improvement that way. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a word that we never understood the definition of the entire time we were talking about it on the news. No, eh? so a like, way that you no, can use sure. language oh, no. to control a population is a perfect example of how you know, Americans were reacting to a like senseless, wildly violent jihad, but they went on a crusade to like yeah. S- yeah. fight terrorists. Yeah, same thing. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. It's just and then the Sharia law and stuff. Like, yeah. it, I feel like we never every. I got uncomfortable hearing it because I never really understood what it meant, and no one actually defined it. It's just ever. a lot of bad faith, like misinterpretations yeah. of a thing that, like, yeah, exactly. It's the same way that, like, there are moderate Christians, but if you look at the letter of the words, like, you should really be beating your slaves. And like, yeah. ah, most people don't <laughs> like that part. Yeah. Um, so anyway, oh so anyway, the Fremen are the native population of Dune, Arrakis, desert planet. I listen to the audiobooks, by the way, and I can't recommend them enough. They are like a wonderful trance through space and time. There's ooh, trance is the word. Delightful English. Like the first one is all like a radio drama. Like for some scenes, they have different voice actors come in. It's so fun. <laughs> There's like wind and sand over dune effects. <laughs> I, I listened to the one which is the old man doing every voice and his like old witch voice, Jashika. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the only thing that stood out to me. And uh, Baron, the Baron has Baron. like a voice modulator Harkonnen. who's like, yeah. hey, Peter, you want the Duke's woman, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to squeeze, Roban. Squeeze the population. Every cent out of the. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't get to that guy when I was rewatching the movie. Yeah, he doesn't have a bunch of boils all over his face. He's not being kept alive by, like, spooky-ass Tim Burton slash Cronenberg uh, <laughs> doctors. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he's not floating for no reason. He's floating Just for a very a good, good reason. He can't support his oh. own weight anymore. <laughs> uh, suspensor lifts is what they call him. And he's not like, hovering everywhere. They talk about him having this like gliding, floaty walk. Because it's like he's got moon gravity. Because he can't oh, support that's his cooler. own weight. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh, it's great. When he finally dies, he's like floating around on the floor like an air hockey table. Because <laughs> this <laughs> shit's still going. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent. Should we like start oh, yeah. the plot of Dune? Because we're at 46 go. minutes. Oh, yeah. And so I assume, Sarah, you've cut all that. And here we go. Dune. <laughs> Welcome to the one. Dune episode. <laughs> yeah. Because we like story structure. We like the monomyth and comparing it to. I've got my notes for it. And hopefully it'll get us to, you know, engage with the plot quickly, concisely. Get into all the cool shit as we go. Oh, yeah. Now you, listener, have perfect context. <laughs> exactly. You are now an expert of Dune. No, we I- have tested you and found you are not an animal, but human indeed. <laughs> All right. Some of you are animals, and you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you filthy animal. All right. Call to adventure. The first point in Act 1, the departure. If you, you know, want the big three-act structure over top of the 17 steps. Do you? No. <laughs> Ask us on Twitter. Or stop, tell us on Twitter. <laughs> Why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> so, moving day is what I've written. Uh, Paul, 
<laughs> wakes up. He's real sad because he's not going to have any of his friends. He doesn't have friends. He's a little boy trained to be a perfect ninja. Never had friends. They might have poisoned him. He's just a little 15-year-old, not 35-year-old Kyle MacLachlan. Right, yeah. He's That's small right. for his age. Timothy Chamelet seems like the right size, roughly. Itty bitty. <laughs> 90 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at one point, Duncan Idaho says, Paul was my best friend. And so you, when you knew him, you were like 40 and he was 15. Yeah. For hmm. him. I don't know. Wait, who said that? Duncan. Damn. I know, right? It's, it's a sad thing. Uh, Paul's best <laughs> friends are all old men. Gurney well, I mean, Howlett, like Duncan Idaho, Foofy or Howlett. Yeah, but then they reflect and it's like, oh, it turns out that kid was basically the Messiah, I guess. And it's because we didn't let him do anything fun except learn to be the perfect knife fighter. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, just like a real quick, instead of Star Wars that has, you know, laser swords and big, increasingly acrobatic displays, Dune is wonderfully understated in that it's knives. That's kind. And uh, yeah, understated <laughs> in this one specific aspect of conflict resolution where instead of a yeah. big, you know, glorious sword fight, it's like... <laughs> Uh, faint, dodge, left, right. Oh, it stab. Oh, it's over. <laughs> like it's it's very human, and in a universe that's about you know the apex of human ability, I find that very <laughs> fitting. You also were leaving out, Dan, the cube guys. You oh, wear cubes. they're wearing a shield a that shield stops fight. anything that goes fast and only lets in things that go slow. So you gotta like fight your way up and then like hold your opponent in place and then like gently slip you. this dagger distract with the fast attack to catch them with the sinister blow (laughs) it's super weird it's fucking wild but it's mega sensual there are lasers in this space universe but if you hit a shield with them it makes like a nuclear reaction so people are like that's not great i'll explain too He's like fighting <laughs> Picard and like in a big you, cube the suit. only way to yeah they're both <laughs> these giant cubes but they're like the only way to win is basically to do like a dip like a tango dip <laughs> and then it's like <gasps> do you yeah. yield and he's like do you yield like, I have a secret dagger pointed at yeah. your ding dong yeah that's anyway. yeah. how it went I didn't Concerned. watch the Fade Roth the night fight. I hope it's yeah, I'm gonna no watch it after this. In that, but it, so it's much goofier oh. because it's Sting, who is not a stage actor to my knowledge. Just and doing it a knife shows. Fight. A <laughs> At one point, did you just see just the part like... where he's just carrying a cat in like a no. space box? It's so. Oh dumb. no! Yeah, the space box because it had like the antidote in exactly. it or something. What the fuck is that? Yeah, That's not a... and the, he had to like milk, milk the cat, this cat every day. Milk cat how I told you'll die. Like that's that's weird and not in the. It was book. Sting's idea. <laughs> this is my cat. He needs TV exposure. So anyway, perfectly trained knife boy is sad because he's moving off his wonderful, glorious Caladan, like a lush jungle, lots of water. Water is important in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desert living. Yeah. Don't want to drink your own pee. Dan, do you... So. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Oh, they do, and it's wonderful <laughs> because they sort of, like, address it once. Like, yeah, we recycle all the body's water. All the body's water. And then they Record don't get scratch. super, like, gross about it for the rest of the book. It's great. Nice. <laughs> uh, do you have any read on Paul being the name of this guy? Paul is a very, like, religiously significant and, like, signaling Ooh. name, right? Like, Paul's, like, the founder of... Paul's, like, the reason we got Christianity. 
Like yeah. He's the guy that did all the work. It fits because, uh, you know, there's six books in the Dune series before uh, Frank Herbert's son started writing prequels. And the first book is the only book where it's fun to be a messiah and start a religion. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them are like, here's why that's bad for everyone. Dig in. Yeah. And, like, both of the, over that series, both of the, like, founding characters are named Paul. Because yeah. it's, one is the son of the other. Um, but, like, I assume that's intentional. Like, it sort of just creates, like, an atmosphere of context. Like, you, you notice the religious tone of a lot of the stuff characters are talking about. I don't know. No, it's a good right? signifier, for sure. And, again, yeah. I think it's a great mix of, like, space modern and space ancient with using the old Greek term for the Atreus family. Yeah, I think most people would get that as someone who has not studied like the Christian uh, mythology or history very much. I, that flew over my head, so I was like, "Why are people in space still named Paul and Jessica? Yeah. Like, how is that?" Yeah. Oh shit, that felt off too. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who Jessica is off the top of my head in the Bible, but I'm sure there's a Jessica. She's in there. In the Chilling. book, she's Paul's mom, the Benny Jesuit trained uh, concubine to Duke Leto, not wife. That's another big thematic thing. The difference Whoa, between like, a political marriage and a love marriage. Uh, <laughs> if there are yeah. any Jessicas listening, here's a little treat for your voicemail. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jessica. I can't come to the phone because I'm reading Dude. <laughs> I did, Just to like a so, sh- yeah. so shamelessly steal a community bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're better than most of ours. That makes sense. True that. So step two, the refusal of the call. Uh, so there's this line where he says, I'm not in the mood, Gurney, to for sword and shield training. And Gurney gets pissed. He says, mood? Mood's for cattle and lovemaking. You fight when you have to fight. Now I'm going to fight right. you. And then you get the Minecraft effects of blocky you- cube fight. <laughs> now you have to make love to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's Dune Law. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he, you know, gets over it and learns a lesson. Paul is still training, and everyone's like, what a great young man. And like, I hope he isn't actually a trained super weapon that can't relate to anyone. <laughs> anyway. Is he? Probably that. Yeah. Uh, everyone's really bummed out because they're like, wow, the Duke is so fucking dead. This is such a trap. The Harkonnen, the Harkonnen's got him. He's the dead man walking. And Paul's like, oh, I, he's alive and he's so cool. And the Duke's like, I have overcome every challenge I've ever met with my wits, my honor and skill. So he's like, I, I, knowing where the knife is is the first part of knife fight, <laughs> which is, you know, probably true. I see. So I walk right into this dune trap and blast them all out and everyone will love me. I'm the Duke. I'm great at everything. <laughs> never going to die. Yeah. I can relate to I can relate to that in Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun to be like a born super rich or like super yes. affluent and have that like completely bulletproof feeling just for a hot minute, just for I, a little? I never second. fail. Yeah, exactly. I'm already a white man, so I get a bit of that just whenever I <laughs> you know do a creative endeavor or offer any thought. <laughs> any life advice? Yeah. People yeah. Are like, okay. Oh, thank you. Good at clapping. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck, Duke. Leto. Exactly. You're gonna need it. Harkonnen calls it the perfect man trap that he's mm. walking right into. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing for Harkonnen. He loves trapping men. Um, yeah, girl. Get it. Yeah. You better work, bitch. But back to Paul's journey. Step three is supernatural aid. And I'm gonna call this his 
Benny Gesserit training. His mother has been training him in the like pranavindu nerve and muscle techniques, which are like what uh, you hear stories of mystic like yogis or martial artists that are. You yeah, know, I, super actually do, oh, yeah. I actually do. I actually do hot pranavindu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bring two towels. It's a sweaty endeavor. <laughs> That's why they don't do it on Arrakis. You can't lose that moisture. That's you right. You've got to just, like, squirt <laughs> yeah. it out over your mouth after. And get Paul is also mm. having future I'm dreams. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going because otherwise we'll never get there. This is going to be a four-hour recording. Yeah. Oh, that's a great thing. Whatever you said, yeah. No, I'm just going to keep <laughs> barreling forward. Uh, I think. Yeah. Very good point, Tom. <laughs> Step four. <laughs> Uh, crossing the first threshold, uh, I'm going to say that this is the Gamja Bar, yeah? I, I think that, like, this is, this like, when I teach, this is the moment that I try to, like, really hammer home for whatever we're talking about. It's like, if you remember one thing in terms of, like, how stories operate, this is, like, the moment to frame your thinking around yeah. the story. Like, the crossing over of the main character that you establish, and then you move into a new space. And then, because just, like, the idea of being with someone you, like, are resonating with as a reader... And understanding them to some degree and then moving into an uncomfortable space is like that's incredible and that's like the essence of like effective storytelling yeah, at least it's for me human experience too it's i think mm. of music right like you listen for the sustain and the ending and then like mm. it's the change right yeah it's like that thing that i only know to say about jazz music is like oh you listen to the notes that's they don't play time, man. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then I adjust my beret and stroke my goatee. Uh. <laughs> but this is a big threshold because this yeah, is Paul's when is great. The you know the sexy pope comes to him and he's like Jessica, I trained you to be a sexy witch. Why did you have a son? You you fucked it all up. Damn, I can't believe it. But they don't seem that bothered. It's weird, and I think it's because you know individually they don't have a huge grasp of how much they're fucked, like how generationally screwed they are. Right. Okay. Okay. It's interesting. So Paul's threshold yeah. is this like crossing over into this realm of like intense psychological, like torment and power and just like stuff beyond the physical. Yeah. His mom thinks that he might be the Kwisatz Haderach, the Bene Gesserit uh, Messiah. Messiah that is here too soon. And he's going to get tested for it or die trying. Yeah, so, um, uh, yep. excuse me? I, okay, apparently it's <laughs> like they have the power to do this. They're the best assassins and would get away with killing the Duke's only heir. And, yeah. Yeah. And, like, Jessica's probably pretty worried because she knows that she did something that she was not supposed to by, like, allowing Paul to be born as a man. Exactly. And she went through this same test. It is the test of the Gamjabar. Put your hand in the box, Paul. Hurt box. Yeah, it's like space tech, which you don't see a lot of. It's from the like one mysterious ethnic group that does all the bioengineering and mechanical stuff and are like uh, seen as the other or dirty for like religious reasons because they interact with machines so much. Machines. This is Final Fantasy X, I'm just realizing. Nice. Oh, the op-ed. Yeah. We do not use Machina. (laughs) Put your hand what in a box, Paul. What is uh, <laughs> Put your hand in a box, Titus. Yeah. yeah. I will say, 
that this is like a part where the movie I think was successful because like in the book I was thinking like oh he's being a little bitch he's being a little bitch it's just a stupid box and like nothing nothing happened to him right it was like a psychological it's all, test it's literal of, pain like, uh, but it was, like it's done to his nerves so he thinks like uh it's so hot and my skin is burning off my bones they're yeah, charred like, I'm gonna pull out a messy stump yeah and she, she says, experiences yeah. nigh yeah. incomprehensible pain and in the movie, they show like his hand literally melting off, and it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's all right, concise. My, my no, but I, I think that's a good choice for the movie. <laughs> yeah, visual medium again, yeah. hard to do things subtly, changing from written to visual that way. But uh, less time cutting to Kyle McLaughlin's thirty-year-old face, whispering like, I <laughs> "This is pain. <laughs> this is yeah. pain." Right, like so oh, much yeah. of the book is characters' internal dialogue. Exactly, so, like, exactly. All this. Anyway, the essence of the test is he's like, "Hey, this box hurts," and uh, Reverend Mother shoots her hand to the side of his head super fast because she is also, though old, a super space ninja. And she says, "I hold yeah. at your neck the Gomjaba, the high-handed enemy that brings fucking instant death. It's a needle with the most intense poison on it, and." She says, if you pull your hand out of the box, I'm going to kill you with it. Uh, this will test to see if you are an animal or a human. If your instincts rule you or your like conscious thought and willpower do. Uh, that's it's a mean thing. Rough. First of all, obviously <laughs> it's, nice. it's mean. But like, second of all, like uh, I think most people who I would deem <laughs> That's kind. Want to take An their animal hand would bite <laughs> off their hand to escape a trap. Yeah. A human would recognize mm. that whoever laid the trap is a threat to them and humanity and would endure the pain in hopes of meeting the trapper and killing them, removing a threat. Yeah. Jesus. And so it's like, it's, yeah. It's, it's, and the Jesuit ain't fucking around. Yeah. It's cool because it's like the, the, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to frame like this philosophical. And again, argument, you can see that in like a society mm-hmm. that is so afraid of like losing their humanity because when they did that with machines, it mm-hmm. cost them everything. Yeah, they have to be sure of their own goals and like uh, the definitions of humanity. I suppose it just feels like there's a very profound like truth in the idea that like we are in such fear and denial of the fact that we are animals. Like, we are desperate yeah. <laughs> to convince ourselves that we are not. I don't know. There's just some interesting to exploring anything around that. Well, they reinforce it, too, because, like, as uh, the book progresses and you find how important the Fremen are, and it turns out that they are, you know, even more intense than the Emperor's Zardakar shock troops because of the intense conditions they live in. Like, they are a whole society of hardcore, you know, Navy SEALs, Special Forces guys. Oh, so they even have like baby yeah. seals? Is it like? Uh, there's a little. Uh, there's a two-year-old that kills a man with a knife. It's great. Yeah. No, really? We'll get oh my to god! It eventually. Okay. Uh, but they, I don't they believe they you. Us. Yeah, we won't. This will be four hours from now. <laughs> there's a, a Dutch word they use like "spranensporgen," which is the uh, like ability to delay gratification. He's like, the Fremen are the best because they can see the desire of a thing, but won't act until it is you know, plausible and best for the tribe to do so. Yeah, and that's the sort of reinforced in the Gamjabar training. We should talk about the litany of fear. It's the Bene Gesserit saying that gives him, you know, 
a litany against fear. <laughs> to it's the, get over it's the thing that trials. dude nerds quote exactly. all the time. The Green Lantern has his thing. <laughs> Dune has this. <laughs> I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, nothing will, or will be nothing. Only I will remain. Okay, that's just good yeah. advice, though. <laughs> that's just something I should say every morning or write it on a rules. sticky note and look at in the bathroom mirror because that's <laughs> exactly. really good. If people so, do that for sure. It's a tattoo. <laughs> you better believe Dorks it. Dorks, everyone. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. As a dork. So he does it. Congratulations, guys. We're through the first hundred pages. <laughs> Isn't that 100 pages? I feel like that's like Not 30 even. pages. Yeah. So the next step in the Cambellian story structure thing is uh, the belly of the whale. I just like saying that a lot. It's fun to do. And in this, there's a fun space version of it. I'm going to say it because it's sort of defined as like magic transit as well. And uh, it's the guild freightliner to Arrakis. They get their entire society, like the Duke kingdom almost, like all their retainers, all their soldiers, all their house staff. They are in one tiny corner of this absolutely huge ship hurtling through space. So it's the the space guild dudes who figure out how to fold space, but how do they do that with other people well, on board? Well, they're just, you know, That's steering crazy. the ship. They're not, uh, like, doing a crazy time and space bending thing. They're doing intense no? future math. Oh. And they have to be high as balls to do it. Yeah. The the tech of that the ships sense. allows this like faster than light travel equivalent, mm-hmm. but like there's no way of there's no not just instantly system. hitting a yeah. star and dying <laughs> exactly. or like a black hole. I see. Yeah, like the whole Star Wars thing of like you can do light speed, but what are you gonna ram into? Yeah, so your ship needs to like plot, plot it out. First. I see. Yeah. That's the idea. That yeah. really makes and sense. I was thinking too okay. about like, oh you know, stuff's always moving in space. That'd be tricky. Right? It's not mm. like going to the store again. The store has moved. So that's why he has to shoot like a laser out of his mouth onto a planet, that's right? That's how that works. The movie is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> the movie is dumb. Yeah, the Duke's like, Paul, you're not going to see a guildsman. They are, it's like a really well-kept secret that they are yeah. so fucked up from their intense spice diet. Because, yeah. you know, it's a risk to their power. Uh, if they're like, hey, these guys aren't like- human anymore. We shouldn't pay them. I, and again, I think they look awesome, but I don't know that Frank Herbert imagined them looking like Mother Brain. Like, right? I think I think it might have been a messed up dude for sure. Yeah, it was more like a Abe Sapien from Hellboy, <laughs> like a fish man in a tank, sure. cracking yeah, wise, yeah. being like, "Well, <laughs> Emperor, do you think you're super magic? I don't know." Uh, in the movie, they're <laughs> like, "What do you think of this teen, <laughs> sweet supple boy that I've promised <laughs> to the Baron?" Uh, the movie has the emperor as this old man, which is weird because he's more than 70, but his spice diet and treatments have prolonged it. He's a 30 year old. He's handsome. He's strong. And you know, he's like one of his Sardaukar guys. He's got one of the best soldiers in the world. He wouldn't take shit from the guild. He has to pay them. They are a banking. Yeah. Fact of life. But yeah, the movie, he's kind of a weenus. And I, yeah, he's lame. Yeah. He's like he's like one of those monarchs just looking to get dethroned. Exactly, and like in my mind, it makes Paul cooler <laughs> if there's a more intense, uh, powerful guy on the throne that he has to it overthrow. Is, it is again 
the movie sucks. Like, it's such a lame <laughs> yeah. intro to be like, here's this fucking guy that's supposed to be so mysterious for, like, the whole thing. And here's, like, this wiener being like, I'm a wiener with a wiener plan to be mean to a teenager. And, oh. like... <laughs> <laughs> that part is like, oh, cool. Yeah, not pictured in the books. It's someone scheming, like, I predict a 15-year-old's gonna fuck our whole shit up. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not not inspiring much yeah. confidence. Yeah, you literally don't see the emperor until like the last ten pages yeah. of the book. <laughs> the book is so cool. Every chapter begins with just like a rand not a random, a specific excerpt from Princess Irulan, the Emperor's the daughters. Of writing a history of Paul so we know like it it's it's through the the uh what's the word for it like, like this the, is the, the context of, of the ascension, book the frame narrative of it yeah exactly like this the text of dune might even supposed to be written by princess urulan like within the fiction you know what i mean yeah exactly like cool it's a religious piece of scripture maybe like i'm not as clear on that line whereas like Parts with wolf are- he's always very specific like this character is writing this that you're reading but like I don't know if that intentionality is there with Dune. Well, I think you get more of the like third person omniscient kind of stuff in there, so it's not right. entirely like the found scripture. Uh Irulan is never like and then I knew that Paul would do this and that would be Yeah. yeah. Um, right, right, true. But they they definitely start that way with like in universe texts every cool. chapter, yeah. Yeah, that that's all I meant to say. I it's got sidetracked, cool. but it's really cool. No, I love it. So, they get to Arrakis. Arrakis is wild. There's not a lot of water there. There's a lot of worms, though. Oh, worm? Ah! Oh, worms. You got a big desert town. It's got two moons, which is fun. And uh, intense Coriolis storms. That They're like, oh, the dust and sand will shear the skin off your bones and, you know, disintegrate stuff. It's hardly survivable. That's what's produced the intensely powerful local Fremen. No one really gets it. They're like, ah, you know, there's some religious extremists out in the desert somewhere. I wouldn't worry too much about it. The Harkonnens hated them. They, you know, uh, treated them like second-class citizens or less than that. They were to be exterminated and dealt Mm. with. That's not worm at all. That's so not worm. That it's like, oh, no one really... (laughs) Uh, understood how deep the Fremen run in this planet. They have control over the whole deal. They have been Ooh. secretly bribing think- the Space Guild to with uh, just fuck tons of spice that they have access to, to not let anyone uh, terraform the planet oh. or like, have weather satellites or things that would, you know, give eyes on the Fremen activities in the deep desert that everyone else thinks is uninhabitable. There's Fremen out the wazoo in the desert, yeah. Interesting. So it's it's like this. That. I guess it's a trope, but it's just like so present in our consciousness, where it's like these other powers in the like interacting with each other, like in this colonial space with like a people who occupy it, who are like hardcore because the world is hardcore, and then like they enter the conflict, and their aid to the good guy side helps win. Like this, still very imperial yeah, conflict, it's sort right? Of like, like it's, it's we, it's popularized because of uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I think is like the biggest thing. Where like in World yeah. War One, it was literally like, let's get the help of these like Bedouin tribes, these Arabian like kingdoms, and like they'll help us win in this critical place that is very harsh and inhospitable, and then they will be like rewarded with like this fucking (laughs) nightmare kingdom (laughs) full of oil like again oil spice is like pretty one-to-one but i feel like there are also if it was also a delicious condiment and antibiotics (laughs) yeah 
Uh, now we're on Arrakis, though. Yeah. Everyone's like, this is the sea. Sorry, yeah. It's like, should we talk? Like, it, it's a very interesting conversation about Dune as, like, a colonial text or post-colonial text. Because, like, I think I think Greater Dune is in the its fullness, you know, yeah. is definitely a post-colonial text. But so, like, it's so reliant mm. on these, like, very well-known sort of historical narratives that it is very much referencing yeah, and playing and it's not off. Yeah, really explored as, like, that, this is probably a bad I, I think thing it's, until after Paul has essentially won and is, like, now I'm the establishment. Yeah. And I'm trying to still make, you know, humanity better. <laughs> Even with that angle, it, it is pretty... Maybe it's, like, dismissive of, like, people who are colonized, right? Like, it does do a lot of taking for granted. The people of Dune in the name of, like, this sort of human yeah. transcendence. I think... Hmm. No, I think there's a lot That's, there. I, sorry, I hadn't prepared. Yeah, I, I wonder. I want to give well, it the benefit like, of the doubt. Hit but me I with don't... thoughts as they happen and as I keep barreling through like a worm, an unstoppable sandworm. You got it, dude. Bless the maker who is passing. May cleanse worm. the world. You bet a worm. <laughs> worm to the left. Worm. Worm to the right. Worm. <laughs> Big worm. I need your Spotify Big worm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah you're in arrakis so, uh, and the duke's like arrakis. things are gonna be different now i am a good guy i do good guy things i'm trying to win over the fremen because i think they might secretly be some badasses and so he yeah so exactly, if nothing else he, he is he knows the quality of people right and in a universe where people are like super powered in very specific ways the Duke, he figures it out. We're never going to get to it, but, like, my big thing in the finale was going to be like, oh, and, you know, the Harkonnens and the Atreides aren't that different. Paul has all these lines about the... It's, like, amazing how we misunderstand the relationship between uh, cruelty and mercy. And, like, they're sort of opposite ends of how you manipulate people on a single spectrum. The Harkonnens on one end and the Atreides on the other. Oh, okay. Like, they both have fanatical soldiers essentially that will die for them and do crazy shit for them but for one is out of love and right with some perspective the later atreides are like yeah but we're probably still just as culpable for their suffering so whoops insight sure i love it yeah anyway with this excellent loyalty the duke is like <laughs> duncan duncan idaho coolest swashbuckling sword master who's popular with the ladies is a phrase i can't unhear from the narrator uh, it also sounds like a potato donut. Oh, if yeah. I may be so bold, Duncan Idaho, like the new Duncan Donut special. Get your potato <laughs> donuts here, Duncan no, Idaho. No all right, we'll take this all out. But uh, I like, I like moments like that when the movie is like clearly showing its insecurity. It's like people in this universe have sex. They have, <laughs> they have sex whenever they want, and they do it all the ways. And they There's know what it's like. <laughs> they know what sex is like. Don't say pretty anything. Pretty good evidence from the text that Frank Herbert was pretty horny. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a Go lot on. Of, like, oh, yes, we control all of our muscles for sex that will also brainwash you if we wanted it to. Look out for that. The Hyper giggles. Nice. Yeah, that's like a plot point Ooh. for guy, uh, the Bene Gesserit simultaneously infiltrating the Harkonnens. <laughs> like, just aside from all the Dune plot. They got mm. their fingers in everything. No! <laughs> yeah, that was poor Including phrasing. Including your <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, No! <laughs> Except it's Sting. And 
Mm, yeah. I, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'll be watching you. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Is that Sting? Wow. <laughs> I don't even know. That, that's the police, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sending out an SOS for this podcast. We're never going to get through it. <laughs> We're not. We're not. <laughs> okay, we're, we're through that A year has step. passed since I hit record. <laughs> I am going to have to endure the spice agony, which is what the Reverend Mothers yeah. do. They change the water of life, which is a crazy poison, into a like psychedelic party drug for the whole tribe to have a literal orgy with while they like... What? Inhabit the psychological or like the, the memories of every orgy that's happened before. It sounds wild. Anyway, I was going to say <laughs> I found a drink uh, the closest thing to that that would induce the spice agony and the prescient future knowledge with it is this Mountain Dew Baja Blast I've obtained. Oh, damn. <laughs> the spice must oh, so <laughs> I see everything. There is a, just millions dead in the future and my banner waving at the head of it. This is what haunts Paul. Oh this my is God. what makes it Star Wars I, for goths is Paul is constantly really sad because he knows like there are so many lives and possible lives I've lived yeah. where shit goes real bad. So this is this is oh. the shit. This is Paul is granted this knowledge of the future as the story goes on. Am I getting ahead of myself? Can I like, not talk about well, this yet? Of, it's it's peppered in. He has dreams before they even leave Caladan, and he's like, "There is a planet with a sweet babe." Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a babe. Yeah. Tell me of the waters of your homeworld, Usul. He says, "But I don't live on Usul. I don't know what that means." Turns out it's one of his names. He gets like seven names. So he gets gonna... a hell of names because he's like a messiah. Yeah. Paul Atreides, but known this as is... the Kwisatz Haderach, or Belisan yeah. Al-Gaib, the voice from another world, or Moadib, the desert mouse, the like teacher Moadib. of boys. It rules. Paul Moadib. Moadib. Teacher <laughs> of boys? teacher of boys. And nice. he who finds his own water. Because it's a mouse, it means mouse, and it's like the mouse teaches boys how to move on the desert to not attract yeah, the worm. Yeah, it's a very anyway. important part of the Fremen culture. It's also the name of their second moon. Oh my god, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Too many things. <laughs> this is just to say that, like, it's cool, it's goth Star Wars, but it's also responsible Star Wars, because, like, Luke is just like, what's happening? Here I go. Like, just sort of, he's just charging ahead, which is heroic, but, like, Paul is a child with all this bullshit thrust upon him that he's like afraid of in terms of feeling the responsibility for like all of humanity and just like being so terrified of fucking it up and yet dreading having to like spill so much blood like inevitably not even himself just people who will do it in his name for like what he's supposed to achieve he just like rejects that it's really it's cool yeah no i identify with him a bunch because i think he's like a perfect millennial dude who's like i see the consequences of how society has progressed and what it will lead to am i going to have to be the grown-up that actually sorts this shit out like damn you had so much time to do this now i will reluctantly take the reins right because this will fuck my shit entirely like a frustration that's something i like to not think about as often as we relate to that right like and it's it's again like it's not to condemn people individual at an individual level but this like frustration and resentment for the human history that's come before you that's like led to certain inequities or problems in the world like we can that's a relatable feeling and i have the perfect to be put in the hot spot that's rough 
because again i was saying earlier frank herbert like was writing this is like this is going to be a book that solves everything i'm going to lay it all out for you it's all going <laughs> to be in here and he had this excellent quote uh all governments suffer a recurring problem power attracts pathological personalities it is not that power corrupts but that it is magnetic to the corrupt uh, the corruptible such people have a tendency to become oh. drunk on violence a condition to which they are quickly addicted Sure. <laughs> right and it's like yeah that's, i can i get so stoked fire. every time i think there's like oh this is like a cool progressive political figure maybe he's gonna be great and it's like well his public face is <laughs> he got there from mm-hmm. just as much you know scheming uh inherited wealth probably all the same stuff yeah like or you know uh idealistic politician gets in there but realizes he can't do anything without the explicit cooperation of billion dollar corporations it's like the nature of uh-huh. the narrative of, anyway, many revolutions, or if not all revolutions, right? Like, that devours itself. Like, yeah. These, these, even the great movements we carry out uh, to, to create a more just world, like, consume themselves when piloted by the unjust. Like, it's, and yeah. like, that, that idea that only the people who have this nature of, like, so what is it? Like, superiority to others or, like, a covetousness? And this is why we're going to have to do 10 more episodes on dude stuff. Because in book four, they really get to the idea of like, no, the only way to do that, like to shake humanity from this cycle is to put myself at the center of everything as a universally reviled tyrant that (laughs) can be subtly like uh, bringing along revolutionary Mm. factions that he like, you know, takes over the Bene Gesserit breeding program, essentially. And, uh, you know, is pulling the strings of not just the forces that keep him in power but the ones that he is opposed against right like it's the dream like, man yeah you got to be the heel you write yourself in as the ultimate heel to yeah. heal the world the heel who heals they have to be afraid of an <laughs> external thing so you're like i'm a wartime president you can't have a soft reasonable person in office you need someone who's gonna shoot stuff <laughs> <laughs> looking at you republicans get out of here yeah, did we talk about churchill feet. recently was that the three I think of that's us where i brought that yeah. up yeah yeah <laughs> Guy is a wankus. Yeah. (laughs) So a big problem that the Atreides run into is that there is a traitor. Uh, The Harkonnens, because they're super devious, let all these little spies slip with notes like, it's Jessica, she's going to betray you, your beloved wife and mother of Paul. And the Duke's like, that's obviously dumb, I don't believe that, but I must pretend I believe that because I am a sneaky boy and will find the real traitor. And he (laughs) almost does, but then really doesn't. It's Dr. Yue. Who is. Even the guy who's supposed to be like characterized for being like really insightful and like thoughtful and like has like a weirdly good and open relationship with his wife for the universe is like, but I don't know, I should still trick her elaborately to like protect yeah. myself somehow. <laughs> he literally <laughs> dies right after having the thought of like, this is a dumb idea. I should just go talk to my wife. Hey, wait, what's that? A dead person? Oh no. See, this is this <laughs> yeah. is my skepticism for Frank Herbert ever having had sex. <laughs> He's had three wives and several children and wrote a whole book about an army of Amazons that only live to serve a big undying worm. Uh, Uh. (laughs) He's found all my kinks. Who knew? No. Uh, No, because the worm is just a big wiener. That's a big part of it is the Talaxu and rebel factions are like, he's a gross sex hound. And the worm spends a good portion of the book being like, I don't have a penis. 
I'm very lonely. Stop it. You are yeah. a penis. Do you understand? Stop drawing rule 34 of me. Yeah. I am the internet. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> also, okay. anyone who doesn't know what rule 34 is, just Google it. Yeah, totally safe Google. It's, How could fine you do that? Your work yeah. How could you, you are do that? family. Mom Sorry. listens yeah. to this All podcast. Right. Members of my family who don't want to see weird internet porn, don't Google Rule 34. Anyone I'm else sorry. You have plausible deniability. That you <laughs> yeah, didn't you didn't hear this part. Just Google have it. it. Yeah. It's yeah. Tom's fault. I don't know. So there's this doctor, and he's like, oh, he's got imperial conditioning, which means he could never betray anyone, but he really can. And, uh, Turns out he can. Yeah, the Duke's downfall is described as not thinking that anyone that hates the Harkonnens could betray him. But the doctor's wife have been, you know, kidnapped and tortured by the Harkonnens. So he's like, ah, yeah, he's got me in the pocket. I'm going to slip to the royal family a very precise dose of poison because I'm their son or their doctor, and I know how much they weigh. It's the, <laughs> this is my least oriented. favorite part of Dune. If it's, I'm being honest. Well, it's like, like the, I hate to talk about Game of Thrones because I don't think it's worth it. But yeah. this is the Ned Stark thing of like, here's a really cool, awesome guy that's going yeah, to yeah. die before he gets to do any of the cool shit you think. Is yeah. gonna that is not what I hate at all. Okay. I like I actually I love ripping on Game of Thrones because, oh, my God, does it deserve to be ripped on book, <laughs> show, late show. Yeah. It's all we're punching whatever. up at it. It's great. Yeah. But like I just I uh, so so like I understand that Leto is like here to show us things about Paul and Paul's origins. And like, I get that. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm into that. Just like they set up with great detail and care, much like us so far in this episode, like this universe with these rules. And then they're like, in the first 45 pages, like here's the guy who's breaking the rules because like his girlfriend's in trouble. His sister's in trouble? His wife. Wife? Uh, like what, what, it's just like, He's supposed to be untraderable, and like yeah. he's like, but I am, and like no one thought of that. Like it's just, I just hate it. I just feel like he could have written a more compelling yeah, excuse, it's weird. and like no one else ever catches on to it. The Baron's like, well, lie about it because everyone knows you can't break imperial conditioning. So it's like, no, it was definitely Jessica. She was the traitor. Uh, like maybe it's just I'm I'm too stupid to notice that it's like, well, yeah, it was like bullshit the whole time. Well, like, maybe, or, but it's probably in the prequels where we, like, learn about <laughs> Imperial Doctors or something. But it's not important. The important thing is that the uh, Duke has overlooked a very specific kind of attack. He thought he yeah. had everything covered. He's even uh, launched a surprise attack co-venture with the Fremen to blow up all of the Harkonnen spice stores. So he thinks, like, I've just financially crippled my enemy. I'm going to start making money as soon as we can, you know, get started mining spice. The get Fremen will be our friends. But UA fucks him up, he turns off the shields, and the Harkonnens blast the whole palace into the shit with cannons, and everyone's like, why would you use cannons? We have shields. He's like, yeah, but I knew they were going to be turned off, so cannons. <laughs> and it works. And is this the Sardaukar doing this too? Like That's the other thing, is that it wasn't just the Harkonnens who spent 60 years worth of Spice Planet income <laughs> to uh, launch this invasion. There's Holy also shit, really? Imperial troops, yeah. the Super Sardaukar guys dressed as Harkonnens. They're really up against it. And, like, I buy all this. This actually feels really good, especially when it's laid out in the book. Like, yeah. he, Leto deserves to die because he's like, I'm going to go into the trap, like, real heads up. So he's still trapped, man. You're just, you're so stupid. Well, he's also, but, like, like, too noble. He's like, I'm going to stop all the yeah. smugglers and, like, yeah. make this a straight shooting venture. But the Emperor's also been, used, like, dipping not just Imperial taxes from the legit spice, but, like, 
the smugglers work for him too. For sure. So you're fucking with his money, and he's not okay with that. And he I believe the Duke, but like not that much. Like he knows the Harkonnens are going to come for him, and I get like I I do by he's he doesn't expect them to go like so in that they like five times over bankrupt themselves, and yeah, he has they no have reason. Their own generational plans, yeah. right? <laughs> but uh, he also doesn't expect like the yeah the emperor no. and these like legendary super troopers. To Another get asset the the Duke has is the Mentad assassin Thufir Hawat, and Mentads are the living computers, so they can like do a million percents of risk analysis and uh you know he's like this is an angle that no one considered not even this is ask this Jeeves is patrick himself. stewart right yeah. no like he's this the, is the no. gross old man with the red beard lips. guy yeah oh you drink guy. a okay. spicy juice and it increases your processing power the Harkonnens had to one too. Uh, Worm Tongue, <laughs> Brad Dorf, I think his name is in the is movie. Is that why their eyebrows get out of control? No idea. Again, they take some aesthetic swings that are not, you know, okay. literally described. Do okay. not watch the David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. I know, listeners. Yeah, don't, don't do don't it. Do don't do it. it till Just read the, book. the books. Yeah, and I again can't sell the audiobooks enough. They are so fun. I love them. And I, you know, also have a lot of time in my life for audiobooks, so do with that what big, you will. Big hope for the new movie coming. Please out record too. one, Dan. <laughs> <I should gasps> yeah. Get, get me a transcript. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, the Harkonnens make their power play and UA really didn't want to betray the Atreides. He loved them. So he's like, Well, Duke, you were already dead, but uh, this is my plan that we could, you know, still stick it to him while also getting the thing I want. <laughs> uh he yanks a tooth out of the paralyzed duke that he shot with a dart. And <laughs> he's like, the tooth, sire. There's poison in it just so much. When the baron gets real up in your face to gloat about it, you bite down, you shoot poison in his face. <laughs> Problem solved. Also, I've secured a magic helicopter. I say magic. A, a sci-fi <laughs> helicopter for your son and uh, wife <laughs> to escape. Your line won't be ended entirely. Best Yay. deal I can do for you. And the Duke's like, drugged. <laughs> the tooth. Exactly. The tooth. And it almost works. <laughs> UA figures out like, oh, no, they had definitely killed my wife a long time ago. Whoops. And he dies. Uh, the Baron is there gloating. He's like, what do you mean? We don't have the Duke's signet ring, the, you know, symbol of authority that Paul has now. Uh, what do you mean? I don't get the boy. He really wanted this sweet boy. The Baron yeah, did. he seems to like boys. He does. He likes himself yeah. a sweet boy. Yeah, yeah, and it's never like graphically described, which I am grateful for. No, but, but you, it is in the movie. Yeah, Again, you get the feeling like... they don't end well. <laughs> these encounters for the boys. How are we gonna know a guy's evil unless he's a pederast? Yeah, unplugging the heart plugs. <laughs> he's installed in slaves just, like, so they can bleed moving all around. Over him. <laughs> blood and stuff and he like oils himself up in a weird shower right before (laughs) (laughs) once again this is just the movie the movie that was the worst scene i've ever had to watch when he just like takes a full two minute laughing break to float to the ceiling and then come Ah, back ah. down (laughs) dude the uh the dignity stellan skarsgård is going to bring to this uh to baron harkonnen yeah, that's, I, oh, that's so good. I'm I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be good. <laughs> yes, in okay, my mind, he's so. like space fabulous kingpin. 
that you know mm. less muscly more floaty and i like <laughs> it uh anyway so where the fuck now, are we now we're into the road of trials right so paul is uh starting to get the feeling that like i think i'm addicted to spice and won't be able <laughs> to lose this or leave this planet ever that's kind oh of God. a bummer because it's in everything on arrakis it's in the air this like faint smell of cinnamon that also just slowly mutates you into the poison resistant fremen with the blue eyes huh. yeah it's in their food it's in it's in everything spice 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 and spice it's, it's fucking with his like uh benny Gesserit breeding program genetic powers to see into the future and past it's getting more intense he's having like trance states and He's also learning, like, oh, I was also being trained to be a mentat, so I can do the, like, intense probability math in my head. He's right. got a lot of things that make him, like, Did more or less than fun? human. No, he, like, like, and he doesn't even know the scope of what they're doing to him. Like, it's just, like, exactly. we this really should feel worse for him than I do, yeah. I guess. He is really a, like, product of his time that, like, the second he gets even an ounce of agency is thrown into, the, like, well, if I don't act, humanity will end. <laughs> it does feel, yeah. reading Dune, like Paul is just this like chain reaction of existential crises and physical crises. And he's just like exploding along, taking the whole world with him, like every time he does anything. Yeah. Uh, and he's just so aware of it because of his amazing ability to like see and forge the future. This is like the only time in the book where he really uh, addresses that too. Like he's... He's like, why can't I mourn my father? He's died. I don't feel anything. Yeah. And he's like, Mom, what did you do to me? What <laughs> am I? You made me. And then she's like, I'm afraid of him, which is kind of a bummer. Ice cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She like they get to they're they're can we just like skip ahead to like they're in the desert now because they ran away from the Harkonnens? That's exactly it. Uh, they yeah. get away. Yeah. Duncan Idaho dies in the mix, which is somehow the most important scene in the whole books because no one dies forever in Dune. There's more Duncan Idaho later, <laughs> but uh, not important to this story. There's uh, a guy, the planetary ecologist. He was like the imperial spy we think that was in charge of watching the transition from Harkonnens to Atreides on Dune. But he was also secretly this, like, pre-Messianic figure, like a John the Baptist of the oh. front. Yeah. Who, like, meets Paul and is like, there's something about this boy. He's a lot like the legendary figure all of the religions of Dune have been talking about. Oh, imagine that! Weird, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got him! And this is where you get into, like, Frank Herbert did ecology work. This man is the planetary ecologist, and he is like combined this dream of terraforming dune into a like a paradise world that still has a desert for the spice and the worms which are important to the fremen religion but it would be you know a place where life and death weren't always such a constant struggle for the locals he's gone local they say he has a fremen wife he's got the spice eyes and has been secretly referred to as uh like the fremen uh, head of all their tribes kind of thing like they don't have a centralized government they were just a you know loosely affiliated bunch of religious tribes so they're already like in position hmm. to have the reins handed over from one almost messiah to paul like who has been reinforced with the legends that the Bene Gesserit laid down wow and yeah much easier to find a leader on the outside who just wanders in exactly <laughs> and at least the voice from beyond and he is master of the weirding way, which yeah. is 
all the crazy shit that uh, the Bene Gesserit training ha- that he has, which are, you know. That's like old witch talk, right? Poking. Well, it's sort of like uh, almost it's teleporting an, a- in how fast they move, how deliberate they are with like their muscle control. Uh, Doesn't weirding and weird come from like Germanic Scandinavian stuff? And it was basically just like a word for like witchcraft, like magic right? And stuff, magic, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. fits because the Bene Gesserit are not just Catholics, but also the witches of society. Yeah, in their life. Catholics, but if they were ladies, which would be weird and scary. <laughs> it's like a um, metal cover here, with man. you know spooky <laughs> demon nuns. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's like there's like a sense of the skepticism the colonial skepticism in the writing where it's like sort of calling out sorry this idea of like the planted religious text sort of feels like um you know like christian missionaries yeah making contact and then like sort of you you like glamour them with their your weird shit and then you're like your stories are actually about our guy we got a guy (laughs) (laughs) thousands of years later worm god actually says like uh my dad paul was the best religious like converting figure since the jesuits yeah (laughs) exactly so there you go yeah because it's 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 kind of funny just thinking about Dune is like a in the context of today it's just i'm doing it live so i apologize it's so fucking weird and I don't have a direction to go because it's like it shows that self-awareness of like the like cynical and cruel ways that people were exploited by colonizing peoples um but it's also sort of written in this way where like (sighs) individuals versus systems is a really big bunch of themes sorry i'm just trying to jump in throwing a branch out it's like is that no, just in like my... where, like it's it's disappointing in some ways that this is, is that like worm? such a such a European like such a such a colonizer sort of text where uh. it's like still these people like doing styling on and like manipulating and then becoming the messiahs of like legit Arabs like yeah uh, and, it, and like they literally are uh, descendants from like Zen Buddhism and Sunni Islam or like the. Like the intellectual descendants stuff that Herbert used to make the future religion that they're part of. For sure, yeah. Which like I don't. It's it's it just occupies like a complex space. Like and and that's what that's true of most things. So I you have to like. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm this is this is what I'm going to be googling. That yeah 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 because like I I think it's they say a lot of stuff without me having to be like Paul's right we have to have one white messiah in charge (laughs) like the other books they get into it to the fact that like no one has a worse time than Paul except the worm sure but you (laughs) can also say that to Jesus and it's like see Jesus isn't like like you know what I mean like his suffering doesn't affect the degree of like uh like domination or, or like yeah. power that the character has in the narrative. Yeah, I don't know how any of what I've said relates to what you've said anymore. Mamma mia! I have a query. How much of the book do we have left? The rest of it. <laughs> how long? <laughs> that's a good is answer. That? Yeah. Uh, we like are how? stage six of seventeen. If that helps. Oh my god, Dan! Oh my god! Paul is starting to wake up to his genetic memories of. Uh, and like future visions of like I know how the desert works. I he like infers how to walk without rhythm to not attract the worm. These huge hundreds meter long unstoppable <laughs> desert force. 
Yeah. Have we said that yet? There are oh, worms there are on this worms planet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. There are huge oh. worms. Think Beetlejuice, but less Tim Burton-y. They're pretty much the Beetlejuice worms, damn. Yeah, yeah, they are. I have to say, I love a sci-fi that's like, here's this incredible beast, this amazing yeah. technology or something. We're not going to talk about it as much as you want us to. Yeah, for We're sure. We're just not going to, but exactly. they're here. This is like, just, you know, calendars in your universe. You don't think about them that much. It's the just- mystery <laughs> of the worms is revealed at like a really perfect pace in the book. Like, yeah. it is very compelling and you learn about them along with like Paul learning about the Fremen and they're just like mm. and their relationship so fucking cool. Spice, you know, the super yeah. most important resource in the universe turns out is a very complicated part of the life cycle of worms on the desert planet Doom. It can't be remade uh, in like a lab anywhere else. People have tried to synthesize spice. Nothing works but the worm dust. Well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, worm? Nothing works but the worm. And like the thing that, you know, most people uh, that the Fremen have been so careful to hide about their life and understanding of the planet is that they're like, we know we can change Dune. We are working. We're conserving water and all these different parts. We're like doing crazy grow ops all over the place to like slowly <laughs> irrigate yeah. desert. And they're, they're making it happen. This is what they believe in. It's like working already too. And people are like, like all of the colonizers are like, uh, there's the dude's just desert. Dude's just desert and worms. Fremen, there's like one of them. They can't do anything. They're stupid. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, the Fremen are like successfully Fremen terraforming. Have, exactly. They have this crazy wealth of water all over the planet, like a place where water cellars are as nefarious as that could possibly be. Like, if you were mm-hmm. the one guy and if you were Nestle while Flint, Michigan was oh. happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's that. Oh, that one hits hard. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's apt. <laughs> and, uh,. The Fremen don't want you to know that they can ride the sandworms. That's a big part of how they've mastered the desert and can cross these huge spaces. So they That's so cool. Set a thumper in the sand. It just, you know, makes sound by hitting the rocks. The vibrations attract the worm. They step on them with these hooks that open the segmented plates of the worm. So they turn because they don't want to get sand in their <gasps> How the worm segments. turns. Yeah. Are all of these things from Dune? I don't know if that one is, the but it should be. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's fishing <laughs> from earlier in human history. I choose to think it's. It's a Dune one. You're right. Also, make sure you Google uh, what it looks like in the movie when Kyle MacLachlan rides the worm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very, like, new Star friend. Trek, uh, the original series. Like, we're out in California with rubber costumes to hop around in. Yeah. <laughs> never-ending story. <laughs> yeah, you get on the back of them. You've got these big hooks, like a chopper motorcycle. Like, it's metal as hell. You riding the worm. Uh, they call them the makers because, you know, as part of the life cycle of the worm, spice happens. And mm. uh, their god is Shai Halud, the old man of the desert, force of nature. They say gods below instead of gods above. They're talking about worms. Is, is Shai Halud a specific worm or is he just a mythical worm? Uh, kind of both. <laughs> like, oh, mm. yeah, right. Like, He's a worm like that could have existed, kind of but idea. was probably just a politician and not actually a go- <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Leto, who is politician that becomes worm. Schrodinger's worm. Yep. <laughs> Potential worm. Yeah, so we're, yeah, because, hey, listener, you might have noticed this is going for a long time. There's a lot of 
uh, dunes to dig in here. So we're going to get Paul to where uh, they call it his place in the future, right? Like this is where Paul, soon to be Moadib, comes into his own as the Kwisatz Haderach, the Lisan al-Gaib, the leader of the Fremen, the now Duke of Arrakis in exile. Uh, yeah, this is where he gets his shit together and starts Whoa. training his army. Uh, Which is the... Yeah, uh, did we say he... Power. He, like, With joins the, the Fremen. Did we say that? That's the he thing. Joins, he's, like, so he's, he's just trying to of... survive in the desert. He's got yeah. a cool tent. He's got some still suits, which we haven't talked about, which are, like, the coolest sci-fi piece of this franchise. Yeah, yeah it's just you can say drink your own pee. It helps you, you drink, drink your, your own, own pee. pee. It's a suit. It's got oh, pumps. Right? It's got waist catchers and a mouthpiece. And they're like, yeah, a good suit. You will lose a thimble full of moisture a day through a whole desert Sunday. The, the oh. like, technical aspects of living on Dune is, like, very you know, sort of pornographic for a lot of nerds. Like, just like the, all the little details like cons- that the Fremen and life and people who are living on Iraq is considered to, like, conserve water. It's very satisfying yeah, to watch. Again, like Frank and Herbert was a like sociologist that. and an ecologist that, like, yeah. literally worked on this shit. And uh, he's a West Coast boy. The Oregon sand dunes are always like, Ew. I'm going to get really into dunes. <laughs> and, like, he lost a job. He was supposed to, like, just write a science article. And he's like, nope. <laughs> Turns out this is going to be the next eight years of my life. You're a loser, Frank. No one's ever going to care about your dunes. It's all about the dunes. (laughs) And he's just getting high as hell on mushrooms and imagining entire space universes. Okay, that's very West Coast. Worse lives than that. Yeah, that's all right. Way to go, Frank. You might call it the dream. But anyway, (laughs) uh, Paul is surprised. He's like, okay, we're figuring out this desert thing. Maybe someday we'll figure out a way off the planet. We'll gather our forces. We'll say, hey, the emperor tricked everybody. And we'll, you know, take our rightful place back as duke of this place. There's a lot of, you know, prince and exile kind of vibes. To right. Him. But yeah. he's starting to get the inkling of the, the other more important shit, right? Yeah, he sees the jihad on the horizon. This idea that like, hey, if I fuck up, I am going to set into motion the worst thing that's happened to humanity in its history. Like basically like a, a massive galactic genocide. Yeah, billions and billions that die in the na- in his name. And he's like, I'm going to work really hard to avoid that. Spoiler, he doesn't. <laughs> well, he does work hard. He works but hard. But he also plays hard. Yeah, it's one of those things where like the more of the future you look into and see, the more you sort of commit to it by witnessing it. You make it. the f- you, you, Yeah. You lock make it in. Real. Lock it in, yeah. Interesting. I love that. It, I yeah, totally it's love a that. really cool limit to the power of prescience, you know, so he's not just like omnipotent and I'm never worried that he's going to die. Because very soon he's in a knife fight and he's like, I can't see past this moment. Like yeah. every little decision oh. I make in this intense, you know, two minute sequence could <laughs> send the universe out of whack. So but, he's like trying to do his first knife fight against a guy and tripping balls on his own time vision. <laughs> That fight with uh, Jamis, his Jamis, yeah, who's like the lieutenant of the. He's a hot-headed Fremen. Fremen who thinks, "Hey, I know Liet Kynes, the planetary ecologist. Our leader said, look out for these two stragglers. Maybe help them. But I think they're bullshit. We should kill them and take their water because the desert yeah. is rough, and the Fremen <laughs> will, like, literally render people down into juice." 
And that's so they're the like, water. yeah. Oh, we learn no. really quickly that they're like hyper conscious of this like prophecy of like encountering like a person like Paul. And they're like, oh, but, he'll have a Benny Jesuit mother. Yeah, and she's there too. Paul <laughs> yeah. and Jessica are together. And then like, so this dude's like, nah, I'm going to kill him right now. I'm going to shut this down. Yeah. And like, he, I love that fight. And I did listen to Henry Zabrowski talk about it too. Yeah. But just like, he's as dan said like so terrified and like like hyper aware of the stakes but this guy this grown man is like st- trying to stab him and paul is just like handling him so easy w- without even like focusing on it and so yeah. everyone's like bro you this are like <laughs> you are teabagging this dude on purpose you like are clearly so easily able to handle him and you're making him look like an asshole and they're like this 15 year old is a sociopath <laughs> yeah like yeah. And, and like a super tuned killing machine yeah so like and to, he doesn't even know it it's it's sick exactly oh. before all this happens he's like in permanent despair about the future and what he is and then they're surprised uh and there's a whole troop of fremen that have snuck up on him and uh jessica the mom is such a sweet ninja she, you know, flips around past Stilgar, the chief, who's like, hey, strangers, we're here to take your water. We will Javier raise Bardem. the boy. Yeah, this is going to be Javier Bardem. He's like, but sorry, <laughs> you understand desert law. We can't justify taking on another person who doesn't know how the desert works in no, our treks through it. We're going to take your mom's water. So she's like, <laughs> flips over him and, and like has a knife at his throat instantly. And he's like, well... <laughs> You should have said you were a weirding witch. This is really cool. <laughs> and uh, like, and since she like, like beat him, boy? and he's like, "Hold you, uh, what is it? Lizard brain sand turds, sand turd, sand brain lizard turds." Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, oh. And she's like, "Hey, if I teach you magic Cream. karate, will you let us be part of your society?" And he's like, "Yeah, that sounds great. We think maybe your Absolutely son should be in yes. charge." <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> And, uh, you know, Paul, in this encounter, kicked a dude totally in the dick and escaped. And that dick was nice. James's dick. <laughs> so oh, he's, right. he's okay. pretty sore. And thanks, so that's I don't why think they this have... guy's special. He's just a little kid that kicked me. And now people think less of me. I hate him. Toxic masculinity at work. There we go. So he uses but... the old rituals, calls Paul out. And now you got to have a knife fight. And Which we did. Yeah, we talked about it. Paul is conditioned to the shield, the fun Minecraft blocks. So he nice. can't close, essentially, because, like, <laughs> he knows attacks are supposed to be slow to get past a shield. So he has this hesitation that lets Jamis just slip away barely time and again. And eventually it doesn't work. Oh, man, it's just like uh, people who work, uh, the, the actors doing, um, oh, what's that thing called? Live studio audiences. So they always wait for the laughs. Oh, God. <laughs> and then when you transfer to, like, a real acting gig, oh, that's offensive. No, it's not. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, waiting and for canned laughter. And yeah. you're waiting for the laughs. You don't need to wait. That's exactly what it is, but with knives instead of jokes. <laughs> and yeah, like this is, Paul is about to really become Fremen. He sees the girl from his dreams that he knows like, we're going to be married. She's so beautiful. In the book. <laughs> Or the audiobook, it's pronounced Cheney, which is really funny <laughs> because it took, you know, 45 hours of three books before it stopped sounding like Vice President Cheney to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's tough. Yeah. We learn a little bit more about Fremen culture. Paul's starting to see the value of people that are, you know, super disciplined, like how his dad was training people. 
And uh, yeah, he's he's ready so to play the So this guy's a bit of a, a daddy figure. This new guy, this new chief. This new guy, Stilgar. Yeah, he is actually. Uh, no, he uh, the the planetary ecologist that died was Cheney's dad. So Cheney Aww. and Paul are both like our we- dads died too. Maybe Aww. we should hang out about it, learn some desert wisdom. I swear to God, it's Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> well. <laughs> like, Chaney. I believe that your audiobook said yeah. Chaney, but mother of God. <laughs> I'm excited to see how Zendaya goes uh, by or in the new movie. I'm sure it's like, just like they're not going to say Jihad because that's hard to unpack. I don't think they'll say Chaney. <laughs> We're, I think this is a good enough place, Eddie, to call it. We can come back to Dune or not even. There's a lot of excellent stuff. Oh, we're coming stuff. back to Dune. Good. I'm not giving up on Dune. Oh, I need so to know pleased. how the worm go. Yeah. I this need gives to me know. This gives me time to actually watch the movie, which I mean, I think I, I will. I think I will. Heck I definitely yeah. want to watch the new one. I can't wait for that to come out. I cannot wait. I think that'll be fun. I think that's far away, unfortunately. But I yeah. know. Josh Brolin's uh, a good Gurney Halleck with like brick yeah. face, but you know, he's be. still handsome, but an ugly kind of handsome. Yeah. I just can't wait to see a Baron Harkonnen that isn't just like a big, greasy pustule the, floating around. The, I can't wait. The, the made for TV series. one yeah. has the Ace Ventura 2 guy. The <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm going to rewatch next. <laughs> that's a good idea. Okay, I'll give that a whirl, girl. Yeah. Um, th- thank you, Dan, for this uh, in-depth intro to yeah. Dune. And then the outro coming next. Uh, although it never ends, does it? Never ends. Uh, no. We could do Dune. This could be a Dune podcast, but I'm I sure we'd lose all 10 of our listeners. <laughs> and I wouldn't do that to you guys. I just wanted to talk about things I enjoy. This is an enthusiast podcast more than anything. <laughs> We've heard some feedback over the last couple episodes. Thank you so much to everybody who's reaching out. Um, and uh, it's been really, really fun to do with my bruise. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you. And I feel like we get these surrogate hangouts where it's like, I know that I have been around them in a way I can't experience. <laughs> but nah. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a way to market <laughs> this. It's like know. you get to hang yeah. out with yeah. I'll Tom. Take it. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me scream about Dune for like three hours. Oh, I can't wait until we get some more of this. More space. Dune. More Dune. We're going to talk about the video game they made. <laughs> more, they more did Dune. not. What? Yeah, they made a couple. There's like real-time strategy no, games. Oh, that's I real. I copy God. in middle school before I could read the book and was like, this is weird. These worms keep fucking me up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't playing the Tremors video game? Like how, how <laughs> one thing. <laughs> the, yeah, oh, secret shit. sequel to the Dune universe is Tremors. <laughs> or prequel. It's a prequel. You're right. Before yeah. Earth explode. <laughs> um, this was amazing. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And um, I've been Sarah. And spice up your life. <laughs> I oh I'm Dan and oh. uh Spice World. I'm Dune Spice. Uh <laughs> and I'm Tom and I'll see you all again when we dune this to you one more time. <laughs> now I'm gonna go float on the ceiling and laugh yeah. maniacally until we turn off the recording. <laughs> the Duke's caught in my man trap. <laughs> I'm spinning. Uh-huh.